What's going on? Ray Woodson here. We're back for a second week. We made it to week two. You take your little victories where you can get them. The Giants aren't getting little or big victories nowadays. Now, good going, Ray. You start a podcast and the Giants go on a 10-game losing streak, longest in two decades. Nice job. 25 runs in those 10 games. Apparently, I'm William H. Macy in the cooler. Uh, to be honest, though, it's better than being William H. Macy in Boogie Nights or William H. Macy in Fargo. I mean, listen, we're not even in the 2018 season anymore. That's the way I look at it. It's the 2019 preseason. So September is what it is. I mean, they're they're galactically bad right now. They're a horrible watch. They're, they're hide the children bad. But just know that the roster that starts the 2019 season will look quite a bit different than the one you're seeing right now, which is bad for a lot of different reasons. You know, it'd be nice to evaluate some younger players, but it's tough when they get hurt too. And so the big question in the last couple of weeks is, do the Giants rebuild or do they retool? Rebuild sounds logical for a lot of teams, but it could be a long rebuild for the Giants. It could be painful. I mean, I do think you have to consider it if you're bringing in a big haul of prospects. I don't know if that's necessarily the case for the Giants, but it's a moot point because I highly doubt the Giants are going to go that route. They're not going to rebuild. Brian Sabian has said we don't do rebuilds. I know there's a lot of clamoring out there for that, but I think you could make a case either way. You could make a case that this team could retool and try to compete in 2019 and then see where they're at at the end of the 2019 season. But you might have a repeat of the approach you had in the last offseason, hopefully with better results than you had this year. Again, I think this team had a little margin for error, and they didn't have a whole lot of luck, and they had a bunch of injuries. And it wasn't just the number of days lost, but who they lost and when they lost them. But we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more coming up with longtime Giants broadcaster Dwayne Kuyper. Conversation I really enjoyed, and I think you will too, in a couple of minutes. Uh, just a couple of other quick thoughts before we continue. Let Hunter Pence play. For crying out loud, the Giants are out of the race. They're thin in the outfield. Pence helped them win a couple of trophies. He left his heart on the field. He's favored by the fans who come out to see the games. He's earned a last hurrah. Let him play. As they say on Twitter, full stop. Let him play. Second, I do think a popular Giants player will probably have to be dealt in the offseason as the Giants retool, combined with dealing prospects, if they're going to get anything back. Although the minor league system is rather thin. I do think you have to be open to a Madison Bumgarner deal, though, again, I don't think it's likely. I think it's more likely in the midseason where the Giants will see where they're at in the race and decide whether to be sellers at that time. But the offseason may be the time when they get the best haul, so you have to consider it. Can you get a corner outfielder, another, another starting pitching prospect in return? And, and think about this. You know, as seismic as that change would be for the Giants to – deal uh, a man who's been part of three World Series championships and is sort of an icon in San Francisco baseball history, the one thing the Giants, I believe, will always be able to do is attract pitchers in free agency. Either way, I think the Giants starting pitching will be a strength. It has been a strength this year since June. You could attract a free agent pitcher. You could see these young pitchers, these young arms continue to develop, and you might be okay. 
No, you don't have that ace, that anchor with Bumgarner. But is he the ace or anchor that he was a couple of years ago? I don't think so. He certainly was John Wayne in the postseason. But now it's about getting to the postseason. But whichever the case may be, they need more from the offense. And the one way they can do that is via trade. They need more pop. Well, heck, they even need just to barrel up a pitch more than once a game. I mean, they did get a splash hit last night from Alan Hansen. It went foul. 25 runs in the last 10 games. And again, this lineup is not the lineup they're going to be fielding to start the 2019 season. But for a team with not much power, they sure do strike out a lot. I mean, it's asking a lot to revamp this offense. But if you take care of the corner outfield spots and or maybe second base, and you have a good pitching staff, 1 through 10, that's pretty well set. You've just got to define your closer. I mean, the Giants front office is thinking we might be able to make a run at it again, at least at the cusp of the wild card, at least that, and keep this fan base fired up. That's been coming out to the games, not large numbers in September, that's for sure, but uh, maybe coming back next year if you give them something to be fired up about. But they must, they must get younger and more athletic. Some say they may need to change the uh, attitude toward the ballpark, toward its configuration. And of course, that can involve eliminating Triple's Alley, which means I'd have to change the name of this podcast, and that's a bridge too far. Anyway, I think that would be a mistake to eliminate Triple's Alley. With the Atlanta Braves in town, once again, it is shocking, shocking to see the disparity in young talent compared to the Giants. It's fair to point out that teams like Arizona, I should say Atlanta, and the defending champion Astros a few years ago spent years in the dregs, drafted high, but you also have to draft well. There are few guarantees in a baseball draft, so your scouting has to be spot on, and you have to cast a wide net. Be wise with your international money as well. All that has to tie together. Well, it's starting to come together for the Braves, who uh, could very well win the National League East. The Giants have produced the arms, but have been notoriously weak when it comes to producing position players, especially in the outfield. I mean, what was the last outfield prospect that they produced that was an everyday comp- Who? <laughs> I'm scratching my head right now. Nate Sherholz? Chili Davis back in the day? Anyway, it's caught up with them. Maybe Elliot Ramos in the outfield and Joey Bart at catcher changed that, but that's a couple of years down the road and still not a guarantee. So a classic rebuild where you tear it all down and you let the kids play, it could be galactically painful. There, I've used that word galactically again. I I don't know other way to quantify it right now. It could be painful for a few years. Are you ready for that? So I think a patch and mortar job is in the offing once again in 2019. As a fan, I don't mind a front office trying to compete, trying to spend money. It's just where you spend it. It's just that with this team, there's so much to make up. And I understand. I understand the debate. I understand it's a valid debate between tearing it down and trying to piece together a contender or at least an outside contender for 2019. Make a trade or two. Make a free agent signing or two. You've got money, $40 million in space. Uh, You're you're going back to the 20% luxury tax next year. You've got some room to spend some money. And you could get a starting pitcher if you trade Madison Bumgarner. You could work your way at the same time to a younger, more athletic roster. It's not going to happen overnight as far as a a rebuild. That's the thing. And it's not going to happen overnight to have that dynamic young roster. It's got a couple of years, three years down the road. So in the meantime, 
why not compete, or at least try to? So we're going to talk about that, about the ballpark, about Bruce Bochy, and about broadcasting with Dwayne Kuyper, who's been with the Giants for a long time. In fact, he corrected me about that right out of the gate. All right, we're chatting with the longtime Giants broadcaster, Dwayne Kuyper here. He's got a truckload of Emmys, been with the Giants broadcasting team since 92, year in Colorado, came back in 94. Is, is it appropriate to correct you if, if necessary? By all means. All right, I did my first game where I did not receive a check in 1985. Uh, I was released in Cincinnati. On a Monday and on Wednesday, I was doing games uh, in the radio booth with uh, David Glass and uh, and Gary Park, who was on Channel Two. Right, right. So when there was a TV game, there was an open spot in the radio booth, and I asked the Giants if I could sit in there, mm-hmm. and they didn't have to pay me. Well, there you go. So it was my on-the-job training, mm-hmm. and then in '86, the Giants started their own cable company division called Giants Vision, and that's when I started doing the games with Joe Morgan. So it's been, if you count, and you probably should count, only count when you're paid. Right. So I first got paid in 1986. Oh, okay, okay. Was it was it Righteous Bucks? It was $300 a game. Really? And wow. Corey, Corey Bush said, uh, if you're any good, then I'll bump it to 600 so at halfway through the season, I said, am I any good? And he went, yeah. I said, all right, well, then I'd like to have that 600 bucks. And uh, so, hey, from there, it's, it's turned out very well. Yeah, I think he passed the audition. Uh, it's, uh, it's really something to see how baseball has changed, even from the time that you were first broadcasting when you were playing. I'll give you an example. I actually saw you play in Anaheim in 77 with the Indians against the Angels. My dad lived in Irvine. He was an American League fan. We went to games all the time. You made a play on a ball on the hole where you spun around on your knees and threw the guy at first. And my dad said, well, that skinny boy can pick it, you know, in his Midwestern draw. So yeah. that, that's ultimate ratification there. But it was a one nothing game. And Tanana threw a two-hitter. Bobby Bonds hit a home run. Angels won the game. And, you know, you, you, you saw guys go nine innings. You didn't see a whole lot of bullpens. You saw guys put the ball in play. It's a totally different game now. Well, back in those days, uh, with Tanano was in that rotation. Nolan Ryan was in that rotation. Uh, Tanano was tough. I mean, we went all through the minor leagues, and then once you know it, we get to the big leagues at the same time. Nolan Ryan, whatever league I was in, he was in. When I got traded to the uh, National League in 1982, he ends up in Houston. Yep. So the most at-bats that I've had against one particular guy was Nolan Ryan. I could have picked some soft scrubini, right? But no, it was Ryan. But it has changed. And, uh, and those guys were all geared and they were taught in the minor leagues to go as far as you could go and try to get a complete game. And, uh, and there wasn't that much concern about a pitch count. I don't ever remember as a player wondering, you know, how many pitches did Len Barker throw in his perfect game. It never dawned on me that it would be an issue if he had 130 pitches whether he was going to come out and pitch the ninth inning or not. Now it's now you start to look. If a guy's got a no-hitter, you start to look in the sixth inning. What's his pitch total? 
because there's a chance that that guy, that manager, might take him out of the game. And uh, and then you know that's just really one of the, the the small things that have changed in the game over the years, and it's going to continue to change. And then you always hope it comes back a little bit. Uh, and you know, hope, hopefully, what's going to come back is guys trying to make more contact because the swing and a miss. I'm really sick of saying got him or a swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah, how many different ways can you yeah, say? I mean, after a while, you can only. And finally, I, I I think the Giants struck out 16 times a couple of weeks ago, and I just got fed up with it. And I just said, got him, <laughs> got him, got him. And uh, and you know, it's like maybe a, a small way of being sick of watching it just by expressing yourself that way. But that's kind of the where the game's going right now. I. Maybe you do it, but I've done it lately. I look at the box scores in the morning, and I look at the a box score of two teams' hits compared to strikeouts. And it used to be that that hits always outnumbered strikeouts in a game, and now it's almost almost eighty percent strikeouts outnumber hits. Well, we were talking about that last week on our podcast. Elias Spiro said there was a rally in August where finally for the season hits surpassed strikeouts yeah, up until August. There were more strikeouts and hits in this game. So that was one of my questions. Does it make it less watchable now? Well, it all depends upon if you're sitting at home and you have the video game uh, if you have that, that video game attitude as to how you want to watch. And I, 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 look, I watch my kids play the video games, the baseball video games, and try to swing and launch the home runs. And uh, if that's what you want, then you're seeing the game like it is now. But as far as strategy, as far as moving guys along, as far as, you know, the little guy at second base that can't hit home runs, is he still going to get a chance to play in this game? Uh, because it's it's gone to the home runs and and... It's home runs and strikeouts. I do think it'll eventually come back. But we're also seeing more bullpens of guys that are throwing 96, 97. And that's going to definitely create more strikeouts, too. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not quite everybody's Nolan Ryan, but it's pretty close. I mean, these guys, not only with the fastball, but they're, they're throwing sliders in 90, 91. I mean, just hellacious stuff now. And they're fresh coming into games. They are fresh, and, and it almost seems like each team now has three or four guys that all maybe not look the same, but when the ball comes out of their hand, it looks the same. Uh, I mean, we played the Phillies in Philadelphia, and they had four starters that threw over 95, 96. And then each guy that came in threw over 97. And uh, and I thought, hmm, all right. So th- that's kind of where it's going, where if you don't have those guys in the, in the bullpen that can bully you, and uh, and strong arm you, uh, then I guess you're kind of behind the eight ball. Uh, the core four, you know, with much different, much different, and, and look how successful they were. But now things are changing. Yeah, and now you have bullpenning, and the commissioner likes to talk about the length and the pace of games. But here you got multiple pitching changes going on now. You do, and uh, especially in September, where it's kind of laughable in September, but. If you're going to ask your starters only to go five, then you have to have 13 guys in the bullpen to to cover you. And, uh, and you know, look, I, I give credit to Bruce Bochy. If a guy's doing well, he's not going to pull him. He, he left Rodriguez in the other day. He left Suarez in the other day. 
and uh, and I think he's building up those guys to at some point in their career. They're not going to be asked to go five. They're going to be asked to go eight or nine, and uh, and they're capable of doing it. But not all men. Look, if you're trying to win, I know the A's situation now where you know their starters are tired and and they're going with a lot of bullpen guys. Look, it's September. You got to figure out any way you can to win. If that's how you do it, then that's fine. I heard Bob Melvin say today, Mania's out for next year too. So, you know, on top of everything else they're dealing with, but they've got those arms on the back end, and they they can hit the ball out of the park. Well, they can, and, and that's kind of the way the game is going right now. Uh, and they're young, right? And uh, and they've got a lot of energy, and you can see it's it's really it shows on the field. Uh, they're 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 a fun team to watch. I think Mel's done a great job. We're chatting with Dwayne Kuyper here. You said earlier today that. Uh, Bruce Bochy looked as down as you've seen him. Uh, now, I've heard him say that he's still got the competitive fire. Uh, I don't know if this this kind of season beats it out of you, but uh, you know, how do you look at him and how he looks at his job? Well, it beats it. It does beat it out of you when when you lose the same way, almost nine games in a row, and they literally have lost pretty much the same way. Great pitching, no hitting. Two or three chances they've had to win, they, you know, they coughed it up in the seventh or eighth. Uh, it is going to take its toll. I told them today, just now. I said, you know, this is what I said about you this morning on the radio, and and he looked at me like, really, you really feel that way? I said, I do. Uh, you put out the lineup, you try everything you can, and when you keep hitting a wall, after a while, it's going to take its toll. And uh, he's trying to do a couple of things. He's Trying to win games to help the Phillies if you beat the Atlanta Braves. You have to do that. But on the other hand, you're trying to get Shaw at bats. You're trying to get Tomlinson at bats. You're trying to get the young guys at bats. So you really do have to mix and match. And although he's still got the zest and the energy, uh, it, it has taken its toll. You know, Earl Weaver and John McGraw combined could come out here and pencil in the lineup, and it may do the same thing. That's, that's part of the problem here. So, I mean, does this team need to get younger more athletic and does that involve possibly trading a popular player in the offseason to get it done well I mean you I, I think you have to is as, as Brian Sabian likes to use the expression I think you have to kick the tires do your due diligence by opening up all those avenues uh, shed some contract if you have to do that uh, make unpopular choices if you do that but I think the one thing they won't do is I don't think they would mess with Bumgarner uh, or Crawford or Posey. I think those three guys uh, are going to be here whether they're going to admit to their rebuilding or not. And and I don't think that they will rebuild, but I do think that they have to have different faces at different positions to make them better. I thought the one guy that I, I like. Andrew McCutcheon a lot. Uh, I don't know what, what what did we expect of him to be the MVP player he was in Pittsburgh? Probably not. But I thought he was the one guy that Bruce Bochy could write in every day. Andrew McCutcheon. He's going to give me four good at bats, one way or the other. And uh, and I don't know whether they'll invite him back or not. But inevitably, he's going to be the type of player that they're going to look for in the offseason. Maybe a little younger if they can, but then you're right, they'll have to trade somebody to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think he's a guy, if, if you take care of left field as well, 
and find yourself a middle of the order bat. He's a guy you could put lower in the lineup, right. and he's a guy who can show the younger players how to go about their business. Exactly. Because it looks like they really want Duggar to play yeah. center field all the time, and then you have to have people beside him that are going to hit the ball out of the park or certainly you know, hit the ball in the gap. Mac Williamson was the answer. And then whether he would have been able to sustain what he was doing, we don't know. That, that's the problem. You just don't know. So now you go into the offseason again, and you don't know. So I don't think you can assume that he's the guy. Uh, I mean, he's not even here. Uh, so I do think that they're going to have to look for some people in the offseason. Speaking of Mac, do you think uh, they get to a point where they find a way to move these mounds out of the field of play? I think that there's talk about it. Uh and I know that there's a bunch of right-handed hitters that would love to have that bullpen in Triples Alley yeah. and pull in those fences a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if they'll do it or not. You know, the other thing you could do is, like they did in Wrigley Field, put them underneath the bleachers mm-hmm. and uh, and then screen it off with plexiglass or whatever they have. You could do that. Uh, it's easier for us, for our jobs, if they're on the field. Yeah. But it is dangerous for the outfielders. You could do it in center field. I know they got a beer garden there, but there's always room for beer. You could put it in center field, right in the middle of the kale and all that other stuff, and see if uh, <laughs> see if you could have some fun with it that way. Maybe put the beer next to the visiting bullpen and see if they get tempted. It, it worked in Miami with the with the Clevelander, <laughs> right. right? With That's the pole right. dancers, yeah. it worked. <laughs> so, so I mean, you ha- you go along long enough. In this game, you're going to have win streaks, you're going to have lose streaks, you're going to have bad seasons. Obviously, there have been some great seasons here. Seems like the fan support is still there by and large, and I think that drives how they're looking at next year. I mean, you've got a season ticket base you got to fire up. Right. Well, I think one one works with the other. The fan base is going to be here to support the team, and the Giants want to be able to support the fan base by putting a good product on the field. Uh, Who knows what would happen if all of a sudden the Giants said, we're going to rebuild, hang with us for three or four years. Nobody knows what would happen. Would would there be 35,000 like there was last night? Probably not. Uh, You'd probably get into the 20s. Uh, But it is a great fan base. It's still a destination to come here. And, uh, but you eventually have to put a really good player at every position to keep the fan base happy. And I don't blame them for that uh, because tickets these days aren't cheap. Yeah, and That's why I keep telling people, I mean, okay, rebuild, but be ready for a major rebuild if they go that direction. They're going to be three or four years of pain before you get back. I mean, it, it, it's not like the Astros or other teams right. that were starting off from scratch. You had an expectation here. Well, when you win three world championships, the expectations are very high. I will say this, though. Uh, I think our fans are are very patient. Uh, I think they've treated each and every one of these guys that maybe aren't having a great year. I think they've treated them like rock stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably don't get treated like that in New York or Boston, where they're going to hear it if they're not having a good game. Our, our fan base is not like that. Uh, and I don't think our fan base is ever going to be like that, just because of of all the goodwill that they've established over the last ten years. Man, it could happen, but uh, as long as the payroll is going to be high, 
they're going to compete. It's just like what's happened this year is they got so far competing and then they just hit a wall and that was it. Well, I thought there wasn't a lot of margin for error. Things had to break right. They could have been a, a team on the cusp of the playoffs, could have won 85, who knows. But they had to have good health and good luck, and it didn't happen. Right, but they did get up getting a good idea of what their staff, starting staff might look like next year mm-hmm. with younger guys. They don't know what it's going to look like with uh, Samarja. They do know what it's going to look like with Cueto. He's not going to be here. But, uh, but they found a few pieces that... Uh, that are going to help them. Plus, the, I think the bullpens, I think if you can, from day one, establish who your closer is going to be, establish who your eighth inning guy is going to be, your seventh inning guy, I think when you do that, uh, it'll make it a lot easier for everybody. Well, I think the pieces are there, one through ten on that staff, that they, they could have a pretty solid group next year. And if you have, that's the, the debate with Bumgarner. You bring them back, you've got a centerpiece. And then, you know, you figure out the rest later as far as an extension, and maybe you do that in the middle of the year. Maybe yeah. by the middle of the year you know a lot more things and you can go forward from there. Yeah, and then you make your decision whether you want to trade a couple of guys that if you're not in it in, in uh, by the time you get to August 1st. It can be a weird time of the year, as you know, whether you're going to sell or you're going you're gonna to buy, and uh, it's a real hard time of the year. We, we always liked it a lot more when we we're watching this organization buy yeah. than sell because if you're selling you're going to be in a spot like they're in right now and that's trying to be a spoiler and it's no fun being a spoiler that's not where you want to be unless the last few games are against the Dodgers yeah if you spoil their season that's at least a little cherry on top yeah, it's a little and even the Rockies after what they've done to this team in Denver beat them I hate Coors Field, by the way. I, I've never been there, and I hate it. Uh, maybe I shouldn't hate the, the city, but the, the field, there's just been so much crap going on there. Well, you know, I, I finally told their announcers, and I like them all. They're all great. Uh, Gooden and Spillbores. And, anyway, I, I told them, I said, look, you're going to hear that I've said some things about Denver, but I want you to know that it's none of it is directed at the people, the city, it's everything about, and not even this ballpark, it's everything about how baseball is played in this atmosphere. I said, I hate it. And I said, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll go on record by saying they should not have allowed baseball to be in Denver. Make it a triple A team, let those guys have these exorbitant offensive numbers, but they should have never gone to Denver. Where do you think they should have gone? Well, they could go to Vancouver. They could go to back to Montreal. They could go to a lot of different places. It's also, from a broadcaster point of view, Vancouver's not a bad place to visit either. I've never been to Vancouver. I'd like to it's go awesome. there. But I, awesome. will, I will tell you this, Ray. And I mean, I did one year of Rockies baseball, the yeah. first year. You perfected your home run call. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and you knew that it was going to be a challenge having to sit through games there. And... Uh, but they have a good team. Uh, look, I have nothing against their players, but it's just really hard to to watch and think that the game is going to be normal there. And they can talk about the humidor all they want, but Trevor Story hits the ball 505 feet. Stop it. Hits one from his knees. Stop it. Yeah, that's, that's a little much. How much longer do you want to do this? You know, I, the, the, the one thing that always gets broadcasters when they start talking about slowing down is the travel, and I really don't mind the travel. Uh, 
once you get into a routine of what you're going to do, I mean, it's a little harder now that Mike's not traveling as much uh, because we always had a, a routine together of what we would do in the morning and eventually have lunch, and then he would go play his guitar and I'd take a nap. And it was always great unless he was in the room next to me where I could hear him playing the guitar. <laughs> it's like, stop, <laughs> trying to take a nap. Wear headphones. But I would like to do it as, as long as... As long as you make sense, and you don't, you're not saying stupid stuff, and that could happen tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm hoping it won't be for another 15 years. Well, hell, Vinny went till he was 89, right? So that's right. That's and, that's the mark. And you know, Lon, uh, I thought Lon sounded very good when he was in his 80s, mm-hmm. uh, and then he just didn't want to do play-by-play anymore. But I mean, I think if you take care of yourself, which I'll probably start to do in two weeks. Uh, uh, you can, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Yeah, it's all going to start on uh, October 1st. <laughs> but uh, but no, I'd like to do it for a while yet. Well, here's hoping you do. And uh, it's almost game time, by the way. So uh, this went on pretty long. Hopefully it wasn't too long for you. But no. we appreciate you hanging out with us. I will say this. Dave's gone today, so I'm going to do three innings of radio, which requires a bit more speaking. But, no, I'm fine. All right. Bring the Ricola. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Dwayne Kuyper joining us on the Triple Sally Podcast. Always great chatting with Dwayne. And just a few notes. If I was the mayor of Willie Mays Plaza, I'd remove those bullpen mounds from the field. It's creating an unnecessary risk for players that you invest a lot of money in. Uh, it sounds like Brandon Belt may need knee surgery in the offseason, so that complicates things a bit as they uh, look at their offseason plans and possible trades. Bruce Bochy held a closed-door meeting last night before the game to talk about accountability. And unless he emerges from that closed-door meeting with a different lineup, the results are pretty much going to be the same. And now they're staring at the longest losing streak since the Giants have moved to San Francisco if they lose uh, one more game. I mean, Earl Weaver and John McGraw combined could roll in there and they'd get the same results. I understand Bochi wants to instill good habits in the younger players. That's part of why they held the meeting. Wants them to show some fire, regardless of the record down the stretch. Guys are auditioning for next year as well. But uh, that accountability and natural ability will only take you so far. I think for this year, it wasn't so much about Bochi. It's about the roster that was put on the field, as well as the injuries. And that's going to be a big focus, what the front office does in the offseason. And 2019 is probably the end of the line for Bochy. There's great mutual respect in that organization. He will give way eventually to a younger manager, but he will also get his ride into the sunset. And I think the Giants will feel like he has earned that for his place in San Francisco baseball history, managing three World Series championships. But time marches on, and it does for all managers. Some last a long time, uh, some don't. Uh, you know, but the ones even who are successful, it can be 10 or 12 years, and then it's time for a new face and a new voice. And we may have reached that point uh, in 2019 with Bruce Bochy, but he's going to get one more shot at it. I think the Giants feel like he's earned that. All right, I'm going to get a little serious here, uh, more serious than just baseball, because as I speak, it is still 9-11, the 17th anniversary at AT&T Park this evening. As in other ballparks around Major League Baseball, there was a moment of silence observed. Uh, Myself, I was working at Metro Networks in San Francisco as a newscaster for several radio stations on that day in 2001. Actually had to do a live play-by-play as the second jet flew into the second World Trade Center tower. Uh, 
and then later watching the towers fall. I'm on the air and I can't believe the words coming out of my mouth. I said, the Twin Towers are gone. It was unreal. Off the air, I may have uttered a 12-letter special, as many Americans may have that day. I mean, we knew what it was. We knew what was happening at that point. And we worried in downtown San Francisco whether landmarks here would be hit. And like many of you, I was struck by how kind and courteous people were to each other in the wake of that attack, on the roads and elsewhere, at least for a few days. And like many of you, I went home, comforted my kids. I said, don't you worry, we're going to be okay. I don't know if I 100% believe that on that day, but it was a thing I felt like I had to say. And we watched how baseball responded. The season didn't resume until the following Monday. And part of that was practical. Nobody wanted to fly. Uh, the Yankees' Joe Torre, Derek Jeter, and Bernie Williams visited victims, their families, and emergency workers at the Armory in New York. And Torrey recalled people waiting on DNA tests to locate their loved ones. In Torrey's book with Tom Verducci, the passage about an encounter with grieving families stuck in my mind. And here's the quote. The Yankees were part of their community at a time of great need. Bernie Williams, for instance, walked up to one grieving woman, and Williams said, I don't know what to say, but you look like you need a hug. And they embraced. Don't underestimate the role that baseball played in the recovery after 9-11. And when the games resumed, we saw how baseball helped unify and heal in some small way in several unforgettable moments, especially in New York. At moments like that, it's trite to say, well, this puts something like baseball in perspective. Well, first of all, we should have that perspective already. But also, baseball did help us regain perspective by honoring the memories of those lost and reminding us of more normal times that would come again, of the joys that make life worth living. Well, 17 years later, I drive over the Tom Burnett Bridge almost daily. One of the incredible heroes of United Flight 93, Tom Burnett. And we are reminded that we need to be vigilant against attacks on our country, whatever form they take, from foreign adversaries, whoever they may be. And we are reminded that those first responders on that day in New York City who ran into the towers would have done it again. Their families and the survivors who are dealing with health problems should be taken care of the rest of their lives. There should be no question about that. Baseball rose to the occasion in 2001. It's different than other sports in that it has been part of the fabric of this nation for so long. Really about 180 years in one form or another through all of its changes, will still be there in the next generation too. 9-11, we saw the very worst of humanity and the very best of humanity, and baseball was part of the very best. All right, off my soapbox. Join us next week on Triple's Alley Report. I'm guessing the losing streak's over by then. Hope so.